Hello, patrons. It's me, Rose. I never know how to start these bonus podcasts because it's always me and I don't really have like a little intro to do, so I should think about that. I'll think about it. Anyway, I have a couple of things for you on the bo- on the bonus podcast today. I should also come up with a better name for the bonus podcast. It's a very generic name. I should come up with a cool sounding name for the bonus podcast. So that's two things on my list. Figure out how to start these and figure out a better name for these podcasts. Anyway, um, today I want to talk to you about voice actors, poaching, body hacking, scary movies, and a little secret at the end for me. Okay, so... Um, Starting from the top, uh, I got to work with some really amazing voice actors this mini season. You can find their information in the show notes on the episode and also on the blog post on the episode. Um, They were so fun to work with. I definitely recommend checking out all their other work. They're all like ridiculously talented. They all have like a million other things they're doing. So that's very cool. Um, And it was really cool to have them all in the same room during the session. So normally what I do for the mini, I like intro things where people are doing voice acting. Normally what I do is I have people just sort of record separately, usually in their own studios, and then have them send the tape to me and I cut everything together. And that's a little bit cheaper generally and also means that I can use voice actors who aren't based in the Bay Area, which is where I am. Um, But for this little mini season, all five of these episodes, all the scenes are really they're just conversations. They're like really based on back and forth between the characters. And I wanted to make sure that those sounded natural and normal. Um, and really the best way to do that is to actually have everybody in the same room so they can react to each other and get the timing right and kind of laugh if there's a joke or, you know, just sort of feel natural um, as opposed to me kind of like trying to take a bunch of tape and cut it together so the timing feels right. I've tried to do that in the past and it just like never quite sounds correct. Um So I had everybody come into the same room and I am so glad that I did. It was super fun, first of all, for me um, to kind of direct and be a director uh, of these actors. And that was so cool. And I also think it came out way better than it would have if I had tried to cut all those different separate sessions together. So um, I'm super glad I did that. I also, I recorded um, last season's intros and this season's intros, little mini season. So the Earth mini season and this body's mini season, both of the audio drama intro scenes were mostly recorded at the Women's Audio Mission in San Francisco. And they're an amazing organization. Um, Their whole goal is to train women and girls on how to produce audio, how to be kind of an engineer, an audio engineer. Um, Engineering in audio, both from the music side and also in the podcasting side, is really uh, male-dominated. Most engineers are dudes, and uh, Women's Audio Mission is really trying to kind of like train up more women to enter that field. So it's really cool. It's a great mission. It's an amazing studio. It's beautiful. It sounds great. So um, if you are in the Bay Area and you're ever looking for a studio, I highly recommend Women's Audio Mission. Uh, I think they're at womensaudiomission.org. So definitely check them out. You can also donate to them even if you're not in the Bay Area. Um, So I had the voice actors record their lines at Women's Audio Mission. And then I added the sound effects later. So the door knocking, the outdoor sounds, all that stuff. And one of the sounds that I recorded myself for these little sort of sound effect Foley things was the sound of someone tripping in the woods. So Gabby, obviously trips at the beginning um, um, when they're in the woods because she can't see. And I couldn't find a good version of that in any of the sound libraries that I normally look in. So I went outside and I asked my boyfriend, Robert, who you've heard on some episodes before, I asked him to go out into our yard with me and just like trip on stuff for me. Um, And so we did that. And then um, here's like an outtake from our session outside. You okay? You wanted to trip, right? <laughs> 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 
I mean, I guess. Uh, Didn't mean for you to actually interrupt. Yeah, me neither. I'm apparently very bad at like timing my steps. <laughs> I'm bad at. I'll, I won't laugh this time. I'm sorry. <laughs> the glamorous life of podcasting. Um, okay, so now let's talk about some of the stuff that I cut out of this episode. And the biggest thing that I cut from this episode is a whole interview with Lynn McTavish. So Lynn helps run the Monkway Wildlife Reserve, which is located in rural South Africa. And Lynn actually wouldn't tell me where the reserve is exactly because she has to worry about poachers. They keep the location kind of fuzzy. Um, And one of the side effects of her being located in the middle of nowhere is that cell reception is not great. So her voice is a little hard to understand, but I will help explain what she's saying. So the Monkway Reserve has all kinds of animals. They have buffalo, sable, giraffe, this animal called an eland, which is really cool looking. Um, They have zebras, they have leopards, they have hyenas. Um, And the big thing the Monkway Reserve has is rhinos. And rhinos, as you probably know, are in serious trouble due to poaching. So a single rhino horn, this is incredible, can sell for nearly $30,000 per pound on the black market. Um, That is more than gold or cocaine. Uh, and also, rhino poaching is really brutal. I think the main thing that the world doesn't realize in the way in which these animals are being killed, um, you know, they are literally butchered alive. Their horns are hacked out of their faces uh, while they are alive. So what she said there is that um, they hack the horn off of the animal's face while it's still alive. Um, a lot of the time they'll sever the spinal cord so it can't get up and run away and, and kick them or whatever. But the animal is very much alive when they're doing this. It's really, really awful. And Lynn also told me that light and the ability to see animals at night is something that they think about all the time when it comes to trying to keep their animals safe from poachers. And she said that the most dangerous time of the month for rhinos is the full moon. And that's because when it's a really nice, bright, full moon, poachers don't have to use flashlights. If they're using a flashlight, then our anti-poaching team will pick them up much easier you know, than they would if they were just walking without a flashlight. The problem is that poachers also have access to really highly powered infrared cameras and goggles to help them hunt these animals that they're looking for, like rhinos and elephants. And in general, poachers are better funded than people like Lynn and people who are sort of working against the poachers. Sadly, they seem to have all the money. There's just so much money in rhino horn poaching now that um, the, the syndicates, the poaching syndicates, Um, can't afford to buy this sort of technology. And it's not just that they have all the money. The poaching rings also have a structure that is ripe for abuse. So there are like the big bosses who make all the money and they run things. And then there are the boots on the ground, the guys who go into the game reserves and actually do the killing. And those people are generally treated as like replaceable, essentially. They're the foot soldiers and the hundreds waiting to take their place. So if this night vision technology did exist that we were talking about in the episode, um, but maybe it wasn't like exactly safe or it wasn't technically on the market because it had some bad side effects, you know, that might stop the conservationists from using it. But it would not necessarily stop the poaching bosses from forcing it onto these foot soldiers. And that, if you have this world where they can see at night and the conservationists can't, that would basically be catastrophic for rhinos. Um 
And that's really saying something because uh, things are already really, really bad for rhinos. They will be extinct in the next 10 to 15 years at the current rate at which they're being killed. So we are the last hope. And we're all trying everything we can, but um, at the moment it feels like we, we fight in a losing war, a uh, losing battle. So I'll post links in the notes for the bonus episode here about how you can get involved um, with rhino protection, even from afar. So if you want to donate or get involved in pushing for regulation, there are things that you and I can do, even if we don't live in places that have rhinos, to kind of try and help here. Because like Lynn said, um, they're sort of fighting a losing battle right now. Um, And if we don't do anything, if we don't change anything, rhinos are going to go extinct, um, like so many other species. So... A little bit of behind-the-scenes editorial stuff. Um, I cut that interview from the episode for two reasons. One, the episode was already way too long. The first cut of this episode was almost like 70 minutes, and I really try to keep episodes under an hour, and honestly, better if they're in the 40-ish minute range, because honestly, who has time to listen to more than an hour's worth of stuff? I mean, really, who has time to listen to podcasts at all? I am constantly behind on my podcast listening. But I know that for me, like psychologically, when I open up my podcasting app and there's a episode that's over an hour, I'm just like, no, I, I don't have time for that. I can't listen to that. Um, so I cut it for that reason. But I also cut it because, as you could hear, her tape is pretty hard to understand. Um, I usually try to record people in a way that gets us better sounding audio, either by like Skype or Zencaster. Sometimes I ask people, to record themselves on their cell phones, um, on their smartphones, like with voice memos or whatever. Um, But again, Lynn works in the middle of nowhere in South Africa. She does not have reliable internet connections. So I was just stuck recording just like our phone call. Um, And it sounded exactly like what it sounded like. It sounded like a spotty wireless connection, which is what it was. Um, So that's the other reason I wound up cutting that from the episode. Um, So that's that extra bit. Uh, Another clip I cut was Gabe talking about some of the other people who emailed him asking for access to his night vision eye drops. So those are kind of cool examples. So here he is talking about that. There were a couple of people that interviewed me and they were they were from like hunting magazines. And they were like, this is the type of thing, you know. They were they were excited about that. It's like a it's it's the it's the every man's hack. People who work security jobs and they wanted to keep the lights off, not use a flashlight. So if somebody was breaking in, they didn't see the guard and shoot them. Um, people who were driving boats at night who ran a, you know, you got your instrumentation panel and the instrumentation panels all lit up. So if you can turn that real, real low and still see it and then look up and not be night blind when you look up at the water. That was the type of stuff that they were interested in. And I thought that was um, like a really great application. Uh, and then there were like the amateur, uh, like Star Watcher enthusiasts. Cool. Who, oh yeah, no, I actually have a couple of friends who duplicated the recipe and then they went out and watched, uh, you know, they went out to the middle of nowhere on a hill and watched That's the stars. That's like the most pure version of this just like the most like nice right utopian version of <laughs> this is, it's, yeah. it's a good takeaway and and so what did you use your night vision for stargazing yeah no that's like that's like the the like children's movie version yeah yeah well and it's got the most data points right now too so yeah 
So I should say that I know Gabe a little bit, actually, from back when I was doing a lot of reporting about body hacking about five years ago. So he and I have crossed paths several times, and we've actually like hung out in weird, grungy dive bars at night together at conferences. Um, in fact, I think, and I can't remember, I should check with Gabe, but I think that he was there when I got my own body hacking implant, one of a couple. I consider my IUD also a body hacking implant, um, but this one is more traditionally a body hacking implant. I have an RFI. ID chip in my hand. Um, and so I was doing all this reporting on body hacking. And for me, body hacking or biohacking is um, kind of a weird and interesting field. Um, and also like sometimes very frustrating because it's pretty much always misrepresented in almost every story you read about body hacking by journalists. So either you get journalists overstating what these guys are actually doing and being like, oh my God, you know, these people have just given us night vision. Um, or you get people totally freaking out about how dangerous this is. And honestly, like neither of those things are true. Most of what these, most of what they're doing, like these body hackers, is honestly like, pretty stupid. Like, I know that's rude, but I, I think it's like just really dumb mostly. Most of these dudes, and it's pretty much all dudes, are doing stuff and they're just like not being scientific about it. They're just kind of trying things. And they're also not really thinking about like why they're doing what they're doing or whether what they're doing is useful to anyone. Um, in fact, Gabe is actually sort of the exception to the rule there, and which that's part of why he and I have kept in touch. And he's actually kind of fallen out with a lot of the biohacking world because he is a scientist and he looks at what they're doing and is like, this is bad science. Like, this is mostly useless. Um, and on the other side, you know, most of the time what they're doing isn't actually all that dangerous either. You know, like, I think these guys want you to think they're like these edgy, risky, you know, hardcore, awesome dudes. But the biggest risk that they're usually taking is that the incision that they make might get infected, which I guess is a risk and is bad, but it's not nearly as sexy and dangerous as I think the media tends to love to portray them as. Um, and really, you know, I started reporting on body hacking five or six years ago. Like what has changed in body hacking since then? The answer is basically nothing. And that's in part because they have no money. And so they can't really do some of the things that would be actually useful. But it's also because the stuff that they're doing is just like not that interesting. And I think the shine has kind of worn off on these guys. Like, you know, there used to be all these stories about grinders doing all this stuff. Um, and, and journalists just report on this really, really badly, in my opinion. Um, there is one body hacker that I won't name in this because I don't even want you to Google him, but he is constantly in the news, um, you know, doing his own fecal transplant and doing his own CRISPR experiment on himself. And the coverage of his work is so infuriating to me because it's just, it doesn't, they don't ask good questions. They don't ask him like, why are you doing what you're doing? They don't ask about whether it will work. He's just, he's really good at getting press, but not actually doing anything interesting. And that drives me completely off the wall. Um, before I get on that soapbox, I will move on to, um, the next, uh, thing I will say about this episode. Um, which is, oh, at the end of this episode, I was planning on ending the episode with a clip from the Blair Witch Project, um, because at the end, right, I'm talking about how like, oh, what will horror movies look like in the future if we can see at night? And I think they would look kind of different. But I went to YouTube to try to find a clip from the Blair Witch Project. And I 
couldn't because I'm too much of a wimp. I hate scary movies. I refuse to watch them. Um, like Jumanji was too scary for me. Uh, I really am just like a total wimp. I, I cannot, I can't even watch like trailers for scary movies. If I'm in the theater and a trailer for a scary movie comes on, I will close my eyes and cover my ears because I just I get so scared. So I was like, I'm going to watch some clips of the Blair Witch Project to find like a good one to end the episode with. And I started trying to watch them and I just like bailed because I was too afraid. So I ended up ending this episode on a totally different clip that's not a horror movie because I was too scared to find a horror movie clip to end the episode on, which is somewhat embarrassing that as an adult woman, I'm like so afraid that I can't even watch like clips from a horror movie on YouTube in the middle of the day with all the lights on. Um, but that's, that's who I am. That's, that is my truth. Um, Okay, I think that's everything. I was maybe going to go on a rant about Edison versus Tesla and how that's bad history and the way that nerd culture is obsessed with Tesla is, like, annoying and stupid. But I'm going to skip that for today. Um, you can ask me about that some other time. Um, what I will do is I will end with a secret, uh, which is something I've started doing Um Thanks to uh, patrons who suggested it, um, inspired by Allie Ward, who does a podcast called Ologies, which you should all listen to. It's great. Um, and I was when I was trying to do this secret thing last time, I, you know when someone asks you a question, you just blank. You're like, I have no idea. You can't think of anything. In some ways, I think of um, like Sarah Palin when she was asked what magazines she reads and she just can't think of anything. And as much as people love to like poke fun at her for being dumb – in that interview, I also totally related to it. Cause like you've always, we've all been there where it's like, what's your favorite, you know, podcast. People ask me that all the time. What's your favorite podcast? And I just like, I've could, I've never heard of a podcast in my life. I can't think of anything. I completely go blank. So when I was recording the last of these bonus episodes where I was doing a secret, which was a couple of months ago now, I guess, or two months ago, um, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll just say a secret at the end. No problem. And then when it came time to think of a secret, I could not for the life of me figure out what to talk about. So I've actually been making a little, I have a little index card that I put in my notebook and I've been writing down ideas for what the secrets could be at the end of these episodes that I have something to talk to you about. So the number, the first thing on this index card of flash forward bonus podcast secrets um, is this. Um, so I am very bad at trivia, which often surprises people because I read a lot of books and I like know a lot of things, but I always say, describe it this way. Like I have a, tr I have a synthesis brain, not a trivia brain. Like I don't remember the names of things. I can hear a song on the radio on a, a couple of times and I'll remember all the words, but I won't know who sang it or what the name of the song is. Um, whereas Robert, my boyfriend, has a, an incredible trivia brain. Like he remembers things where I'm just like, what? Like, why do you know that? Um, he remembers, I don't know if he's going to be mad if I tell you this, but he remembers like the names of every bachelor and bachelorette contestant, like first and last names. He'll remember them. Um, it's, it, it's incredible. Um, so he likes trivia. He likes going to bar trivia. So we go to bar trivia because there's a bar trivia place down the street from my house and I like, I'll go, I'll go and, you know, drink beer and eat snacks. And I have relatively neat handwriting. So I'll write down the answers for you. But I always go and I never know any of the answers. And I just like let them, you know, our little team does their thing. And I just sort of show up for, for moral support. Um, and so we were at trivia and there was a category that came up. And I had this moment where I knew every answer. And it was like this Rain Man experience because it was a really bizarre category. Um, and I will tell you the category in a second. But I, we had some new friends um, in on the team who I didn't know at all. Um, and this was like their first time meeting me. And they were just looking at me like, why? How do you? Why do you know these things? 
Um, and the category was, this will help explain why they were so freaked out by this. The category was uh, children's cartoons, theme songs. The theme songs for children's cartoons played backwards. And I don't know how or why, but somehow in my brain, I was like, I know every single one of these. I was like, that's SpongeBob, that's Phineas and Ferb. You know, I just like knew all of them. Uh, and it wasn't even like I was thinking about it. They just, the answers just emerged from my subconscious lizard brain. Um, and so we got all of the answers for that round because I apparently, that's my one trivia skill. Um, I don't expect that to come in handy at any time, nor did I even know I had this skill. But if you ever need someone to be able to identify a 90s children's cartoon via its theme song played backwards, I am apparently the person for that. So um, now that you've seen uh, some of the strange inner workings of my um, brain, the <laughs> abnormal brain, um, I will end this episode. Um, I'm excited for you to hear the next episodes of The Bodies mini-season. Um, they're really fun. They're cool. Uh, I just did an interview for one of them that was really interesting. Um, one of them is very controversial, and I'm sort of regretting it, um, not because it's not interesting, but because it's just super hard to communicate the stuff without getting like deep in the weeds on um, people screaming at each other. But I hope that it will be worth it. Um, and I hope that you like it. So I will, uh, I will, you'll hear from me again next week in your ears. And uh, until then, have a great future. Bye.